So for these past few weeks, we've been in this series called My Bio. And so to give you some of my bio, um, my name is Madeline. Hello, nice to meet you. Um, I recently graduated um, from CMU. Go Mavs, or whatever, you can tell I've never done that before. Um, I am married to an awesome guy, and we have two wonderful children, and by children I mean our dogs, and they're awesome, and I love them in every single way. And I'm really excited to be here tonight because also in my bio should be included um, my love for The Office. It is one of my favorite shows. How many of you guys like The Office? Yes? I wore my Dunder Mifflin shirt for this reason because I knew I was going to be talking to you about The Office. So again, show of hands who have seen it. Yes? Okay. So like 90% of you, if you haven't seen it, I highly, highly recommend it. It's one of my favorite shows. Pastor Sean will do um, the office references all day long with you if you'd like. It's super awesome. It's one of my favorite shows. And so this should absolutely be in my bio that I love to watch this show all the time. It's like that show that I fall asleep to. Does anyone else have one of those? Yeah, where it's just like kind of comforting and you know what happens, so you don't have to be awake for it. And so since I've started watching The Office, which has been a while now, I've started to play this game in my head because, well, I'm very competitive if you don't know, so I like to win games, especially when I create them, I usually get to win them, so that's cool. So I've played this game that involves The Office, and that's whenever I meet new people, or maybe I'm like people watching in like a restaurant or something, or people just I've known for years, I try and figure out which Office character they are. Okay, I don't know if you guys have ever done that before. And so I started to think in my mind, okay, oh, that person is definitely, that's a Ryan. And that person over there, ooh, that's a Jan. You should probably stay away from that person because she'll a little cry cry. And so I started doing this in my head and I started thinking, okay, well, if I had family members, which office characters would they be? And so my husband, he's Jim. Now I realize that that's like a typical wife slash girlfriend thing to say, like everybody wants that person to be Jim for you, okay? But here's why, and I'll explain. Jim is like this very mildly tempered guy, you know? He doesn't really get super angry or super upset. He's just pretty mellow, and that's kind of how my husband is. Um, he's a great salesman, like um, Jim is. He also has this ability to, like, roast you um, while also kind of having a smile on his face the entire time. Okay, he's really good at that as well. And so if my husband were anyone from the office, he would definitely be Jim. And now I know you're probably thinking, okay, well, if her husband's Jim, she's probably going to say she's Pam. I'm not Pam at all. In fact, um, if I were one office character, I would be Dwight. Um, I, yeah, yeah, any Dwights in here? Yes, okay. I actually took a personality test called the Miles Briggs, I think that's what it's called. It's a personality test, and it literally said that I had the same personality as Dwight Schrute, and I was like, that really hurts my feelings. And then I started thinking about it, I was like, it makes sense, okay? Like Dwight, I'm pretty competitive, okay? Like Dwight, I'm pretty combative person, like I just kind of like to fight with you, you know? I don't know if you guys have noticed that. And like Dwight, I have this obsessive and compulsive need to manage things. Um, you know, like I, <laughs> it's true. Thanks. Thanks, Sean. Um, I just really want to be the assistant to the regional manager. That's like such a cool job. Okay. I also have diagnosed that my sister, if she were to be an office character, she would be Pam. So we got Jim, we got Pam, we got Dwight. And so I talk about my sister often when I come out here. I don't know if you guys have noticed that. And that's because she's like a huge part of my life. Um, but she's also like, someone that I argue with a lot. Can anyone relate to arguing with your siblings? Yes, thank you. Okay, so I talk about her a lot, and the, real, the reason that we really don't get along is because Pam is like the nicest person ever. Like, she's so likable. Everybody loves her, and I'm, I'm Dwight, which isn't like that, okay? Like, I'm just this person who's just super combative, and I've always wanted, like, to just, you know, I like people, 
but also I really like to rule things and like take over things, okay? So we just don't get along on a very good level. And the truth is, is that it's always kind of been that way. Do I love my sister? Yes, but we don't always get along and it's because we really, really do not see eye to eye. And so I remember kind of growing up, my sister and I were very, very different people. She was such a people person. Everybody super, super loved her. Everybody really related to her. But then I noticed as she began to get into like elementary and high school and middle school, like her personality just wasn't accepted by all for whatever reason. For whatever reason, people were really hard on her and really picked on her and she would come home every single day from school just feeling so defeated because people saw that sweetness in her, they saw that vulnerability and they completely took advantage of it. And so I remember growing up watching this process kind of unfold and I remember thinking, man, how can I make sure that that doesn't happen to me? How can I make sure that I don't get the crap beat out of me every single day when I go to school. And I said, okay, well, obviously my sister, she's super, super nice. She cares about everybody. She lets everybody in. She trusts everybody. I'm going to try and do the opposite of those things to make sure that people are not mean to me, okay? And so it's kind of sad, but like I was a terrible person in elementary school because of this. Like you never really hear that, that elementary schoolers are terrible people, but I was. I was a little tyrant, okay? I wasn't nice to people. I constantly made like adult men cry like I actually did. You can ask Pastor JL, it happened. Like I was just a mean, mean person. And the truth was is that inside that little mean and hard exterior was just a little girl that wanted to be loved. I know, that's really, really sad. But I built all of these huge, huge walls up because I said, okay, if I act like I'm this mean and terrible person, people will reject that. But that's okay, because that's not who I really am. But if I begin to let them see who I really am, and they reject that, that would be absolutely terrible. And so I began to say, I will never let what happened to my sister happen to me. I'm going to make sure that it doesn't happen. And so again, we just became even more polar opposites than we were before. But what's really cool is to be able to kind of look back and see God's working through all of it. The truth is, is that even though my sister were completely, we were completely different people, we were called to do the same exact thing. Our purpose in life, what God created us for, was to teach kids about kids. And even though we were so, so different, we had that same exact purpose and that same exact call as each other. And even though we were so different, I could see God working in each of our personalities. My sister was created to be this kind, loving people person so that she could help lead people to Jesus. And I was created to be this bold and this person that was a leader and this confident person so that I could stand up for what I knew was right, which was Jesus. And so though we were very, very different, I could see God moving us in the same exact way. However, that didn't stop the enemy from being able to come against who we were created to be and what we were created to do. Because the truth is, Pastor Sean talked last week about how the enemy is out to steal, kill, and destroy each and every one of us. And that doesn't necessarily mean he's going to try and kill you, although sometimes he might, but he really wants to try and steal, kill, and destroy your personality. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your purpose and your call 
on your life. And maybe you don't know what that is yet, but that's okay because Jesus is already working in you, pulling things out of you that he is going to one day use and continue to use for the rest of your life. But Satan, the enemy, doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want you to be able to walk out in your call and what God intended you to do and what he created you to do. And so he's going to begin to lie to you. The Bible says that the enemy is the father of lies. And so the first lie that the enemy is going to try to use in order to attack your identity is something that I already kind of talked about a little bit. And that is he's going to make your greatest strength actually become a weakness. And so we saw this in my sister. She was so kind. She was such a people person. But the enemy saw that in her and knew that he had to try and destroy it. So he actually exploited it and twisted that kindness in my sister to where she became a people pleaser and a doormat and someone that everyone misused and abused. And he saw that confidence in me. He saw the fact that I wanted to be a leader one day. And so he began to exploit that and twist that to where I became became a person that nobody wanted to follow. I became a person that everybody didn't like. Our greatest strengths that God has put into our lives is exactly what the enemy is going to try and come against every single day. So maybe God created you to be a cautious person. Maybe he created you to be a person that your friends could go to and ask for your advice because they knew that they could trust your opinion, but the enemy sees that as your greatest strength and he begins to twist it to where you become so afraid to make a decision that you become absolutely unable to move. Maybe the Lord created you to be super, super outgoing. He wanted people to want to be near you. He wanted people to want to be your friend. And the enemy twisted that to where you became a people pleaser that constantly needed attention. Maybe the Lord created you to be organized, but the enemy twisted that to where you became so anal, you had no tolerance for spontaneity or change. So maybe you're like my sister or me or one of those examples that I have, or maybe you don't relate to any of them, but we can all see in our lives where the enemy is trying to come against what the Lord is trying to do in each and every one of us. He's going to come after our bio. He's going to come after our identity because the last thing that he wants to happen is us to be able to become the person that God wanted us to be. But your God-given strength should not become your weakness. And you have an enemy that is very real, but you have a God that is greater and says, I will keep that strength in you. You just have to keep your eyes on me. The second lie that the enemy is going to use in order to destroy your identity is he's going to try and lie to you and say that you are what you do. Now, this is a pretty common thing that we all believe just here on earth, and it doesn't seem that harmless at all, because if you think about it, if you play baseball, you automatically call yourself a baseball player. If you play the cello or the bass or the trombone, you would automatically call yourself a musician. And that's okay, right? That's completely harmless. You are absolutely those things. But the enemy begins to take it a step farther, and it becomes a slippery slope, because with that same exact logic of you you being a baseball, of you playing baseball, making you a baseball player can become so, so harmful. Because with that same exact logic, the enemy can lie to you and say that if you hang out with a certain group of people, you're a loser. If you fail a class, 
you're a failure. If you get good grades, you're an overachiever. If you went too far with your boyfriend, you're a slut. And so the the lie that the enemy has sold us is that we are what we do. But your identity is not circumstantial. You are a child of God first, and everything else is just icing on the cake. So yes, you may play baseball, but that's not all that you are. Yeah, you might be a good student, but that's not all that you are. You are a child of God, and nothing else can identify you or label you. And I think in this last year, we really had to come to terms with what this lie means in our lives. Because in a world where we are what we do, where that is mightily accepted, it becomes really, really hard to believe that when all those things are stripped away, right? No longer were you able to go and play baseball. No longer were you able to be around your best friends for months. No longer were you allowed to play those instruments in a group setting. And so we see how fragile it is when we identify everything that we are with a circumstance or a skill. Because just like that, those things can disappear and we have to be okay with what is left. The third lie that the enemy wants to sell us in order to destroy our identity is that our mistakes define us. Now, this is such a common one. This is such something that we all believe, that we all deal with on such a regular basis, and it's something that is so widely spread across the world, it's really hard to come against this lie. God looks at us, and he sees his perfect creation. But what the enemy wants us to believe is that when God looks at us, all he sees is brokenness, as mistakes, as our messing up, as our weaknesses. That's what he wants us to believe that God sees us as, but that is not true at all. He wants you to know that just because you've messed up in the past or maybe been labeled something by something in this world, that's not who you are and that is not your identity. Just because you may have lied in the past or you really struggle with that, that doesn't mean that you are a liar. Just because you struggled in the past with being a good friend doesn't mean that you are a manipulator or a bully. Just because you've had some mistakes in the past with your relationship doesn't make you a slut. And just because you're not good in school sometimes doesn't make you a failure. It says in Zephaniah 3.17, the Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who saves. He will rejoice over you. He will be quiet in his love, making no mention of your past sins. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. Your creator rejoices over you with shouts of joy, not judgment. His perfect love is calling to you, asking you to forsake the labels that the enemy has used against you for so long so that you can come into alignment with who he created you to be. You are not your weaknesses. You are not your sins. Again, you are a child of God. And when he looks at you, that's not what he sees. The last enemy that the or the last lie that the enemy is going to try and use against you in order to hurt or destroy your identity is that we need the approval of others more than we need the approval of God. In this world, it's such a common belief that everyone's opinion about you defines who you are and what's important in your life. And when we begin to believe this lie from the enemy, when we begin to mistake it as our own 
um, as our own thoughts, we begin to lose sight of who we are and we begin to chase the love and the approval from the wrong source. When we try to seek the approval from our friends or maybe from social media accounts, when we try to seek the approval of our coaches or our teachers or even our parents, we are running after the wrong love. We are running after the wrong approval the entire time and it will never satisfy us. It will never be enough when we are trying to get it from the wrong source. See, the world is going to entice your flesh, but it can never embrace your soul. It says in 1 John 2, 15 through 17, don't love the world's ways. Don't love the world's goods. Love of the world squeezes out love for the Father. Practically everything that goes on in the world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. Just isolates you from him. The world and all of its wanting, wanting, wanting is on the way out. But whoever does what God wants is set for eternity. This verse is saying that you can run after the approval of the world. You can run after the approval of your friends and everything else as far as you want, as long as you want, but it will never be able to fulfill what you are looking for. It will never amount to anything because everything on this world is temporary, but the love of the Father is what lasts for eternity. So we can run at a breakneck, breakneck pace and try to achieve everything that this world is trying to throw at us when God is simply saying, if you just stay still, if you just come to me from the very beginning, I will give you what you need. I will give you love. I will give you who you are, what anyone else says, any other approval, any other task that you're trying to do or achieve, it doesn't matter. Stay still here with me and I will give you what your heart desires. You are the perfect creation of God. And God does not base his thoughts towards you on your own fragile efforts. No, God's love isn't based on you and what you've done at all. His love is placed on you. It's not based on anything that you can achieve. It's not based on if you are perfect in every single way and you never mess up. It's not based on if you have the approval of your friends and your social media account and your parents and everyone else. His love is placed on you no matter what you do. And when we have that love from the very beginning, nothing else should matter if we have the Father's love. We know that what we are doing is okay. We know that our identity is safe and secure in his love. In order for us to stop believing the lies of the enemy, in order to be able to reclaim our identity and our true purpose, we have to stop listening to what the enemy and the world says. We have to understand that our strengths can remain our strengths if we focus on his love. They don't have to be our weaknesses. We have to understand that our weaknesses and our sins, they don't define us and that this world and everything that it has for you is nothing compared to what God has for you. It says in Psalm 91.1, those who live in the shelter of the Most High will find rest in the shadow of the Almighty. Don't you want rest? Aren't you tired? 
Are you tired of striving and striving and striving and working and working and working and running for love and approval that will never come? No matter how hard you try, no matter how perfect you are, it's never enough. Stop racing to a finish line that doesn't exist and stop relentlessly trying to be someone who you weren't created to be and go back to the love that has always been there, the love that created you, the love that gave you your identity from the beginning. And so I want to be able to rest in the shadow of the Almighty right now, just like that verse says. And so I want every eye closed and every head bowed right now in this room. And I just want to usher in the Spirit of God right now. And this isn't going to last for very long, but I just want to challenge you to just stay in this for a second. Just get this rest for a second. Don't worry about the person next to you, but really focus on the Lord right now and what He wants to say to you. I want you to listen right now to what you think or what the Lord thinks your greatest strength is. I want you to feel that inside of you right now, that coming up, that bubbling up of Him trying to communicate you and you what the greatest strength that He gave you is. Just take a second to listen. Maybe your greatest strength is that you can see when other people are struggling and you can help them. Maybe your greatest strength is your voice. You've been gifted with the most beautiful voice and he wants you to use it to worship him. Maybe your greatest strength is your smile and the way that it makes others feel. you and he created that strength in you and he never wants it to be taken or used or exploited by the enemy and so if you see that happening right now in your life you see that greatest strength that he bestowed upon you being used for something that it was never intended for I'm gonna pray this prayer and then we'll go into the next point so dear Jesus, I just ask right now for restoration, Lord. I just ask that we can just reclaim the strength that you have given us, Lord, this gift, this calling inside of us, this purpose inside of us, Lord, that you will just make that the way that it should be once again, Lord. We just ask that you just take away the weakness, Lord, and just make it pure once again. Make it align with your will once again. In this moment still, I want to remain here for a second. And I want you to listen for the sin that has been defining you. The mistake that you made that you haven't been able to forgive yourself for. Maybe you haven't asked forgiveness from the Lord for it yet because you've just been too ashamed. He's calling you back. He wants you to forgive yourself. He's already forgotten all about it. Maybe it's a small thing. 
like you're not very kind to your siblings or maybe it's a huge thing like you went too far with a boyfriend or a girlfriend whatever it is I want you to picture that in your mind as I pray this prayer dear Jesus we just ask for your forgiveness Lord for what it is that we've done Jesus we just ask that that sin, that mistake can no longer define us anymore and that you can just allow us to see ourselves the way that you see us, Jesus. That we won't see that sin on us anymore, that we won't allow it to hold us back anymore or make us feel ashamed, Lord, but instead we can just walk in your forgiveness and your mercy with the confidence of knowing that you are still there and you always will be. Forgive us, Lord. And the last thing I want us to do is I want us to think about whose approval we've been searching for. Whose approval we've been seeking and going after that we need to stop. Again, maybe it's a teacher or a parent or a friend. Maybe we just want the followers and that, that affirmation on social media, whatever it is. Enough's enough, guys. It's never gonna give you what you need or what you're seeking. And so Jesus, we just ask right now that you just forgive us for going after the wrong things, for having the wrong priorities, Lord. We just ask that you'll just set our priorities right again, Lord. That you will just align them with your will and that never again will we stray from that path. But when we do, because we will, that you'll be right there, just so sweetly ready to bring us back, Lord. Forgive us for where we strayed, but help us to be better in the future and help us to never lose sight of who we are and who you created us to be. Thank you, Jesus. It's in your sweet name that we pray. Amen. You guys can all open your eyes now. And I think he just wants to say right now to you that he's really proud of you. He knows how hard it's been. He knows how much you guys have been striving and working and trying to do the right thing and he sees that. He loves you. So I'm just gonna pray one more time. Stay in the moment and then we'll release to small groups. So dear Jesus, thank you so much for what you've done for us tonight, Lord. Thank you for this breakthrough and help us not to let that ground that we've taken back tonight, Lord, go back to the enemy. Just keep us in your love. Keep us in this, this confidence and knowing who we are and who we were created to be. And it's in your sweet name that we pray, amen. All right, guys, we love you guys so much. Make sure you come back next week for our last week in our bio series. It's gonna be awesome. We'll see you then. Thanks for listening to the 4640 Student Center Podcast. For more information on what's happening at 4640, you can check us out on social media and at our website, 4640gj.com. Service times are Tuesday and Wednesday nights. Hope to see you there.